Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Ole Miss left fielder, catcher, slugger, Thomas Dillard. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, not just how practices are going. I asked him about pimping home runs because that's the kind of stuff that's interesting to me. Also interesting to me, the thoughts of David Johnson. Hey, buddy. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm okay. Ole Miss picked up a big football commitment. One that you had been talking about coming. Weren't really all that sure whether it was going to happen or not, but four-star quarterback athlete, two-way star for sure, John Reese Plumley committed to Ole Miss on Monday. Surprised by the timing at all. You know what? We talked about that last night. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have something else up on the Ole Miss Spirit today about the timing of it and a very interesting perspective. I don't want to spoil that, but... Let's just say in this day and age of uh, the signing day hat tricks and all of that stuff, Plumlee wanted nothing to do with it, absolutely nothing to do with that. And he kind of goes into detail with me about about why he decided to not wait until Wednesday because, you know, he could have had a big uh, – a, a, a big thing down there Wednesday at Oak Grove High School. He could have literally put five hats on the table, kept everybody in suspense, but he didn't want to do that, and he's going to tell us why. And uh, you can read all about that later on today on the Ole Miss Spirit. He's currently projected, as I was looking at Perfect Game and D1 Baseball and all that, he's projected as a baseball player to be taken in maybe the top ten rounds. What you could see as far as John Reese Plumley, because I don't think there's any threat like Jerry on Ely for John Reese to just go play baseball – You'll see one of those two-way contracts like A.J. Brown signed with the Padres to where John Reese could go play baseball in the summer or the designated times in which he came because of his contract. So it's a big get, not just for football, but for baseball. Yeah, There's a lot of belief in what he is as a baseball player. It's hard to be a two-way player in college. Very few people have been successful in doing so, but he's going to give it a try, and he's good both counts. Yeah, Ben, that's an excellent point. Look, this is a huge pickup for Mike Bianco. And the Ole Miss baseball program as well. And, uh, you know, talking uh, to John Reese last night, I asked him about, you know, you know, how much did baseball factor in, you know, the, the quality of program of the different schools baseball program factor in. It was huge. It was absolutely huge for him. As a matter of fact, as soon as he got off the phone with Matt Luke last night. He called Mike Bianco as well, and uh, all sides uh, were, were in a celebratory mood. Uh, this is a young man, and again, it's going to be interesting to see how he balances playing both baseball and football at Ole Miss, Ben, because you know we've seen those 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 things um, try to play out before and not not in such a successful manner. I mean, I, I guess I'm most recently reminded of Sanquez Golson's attempt to play both football and baseball. Ultimately, he, he, he put the uh, baseball bat down. But in particularly with Plumlee, uh, the time that you would have to be away from the football program to play baseball as a quarterback, I think is even it puts even more uh, I, I guess emphasis on the fact that he's playing two sports because I mean if you're going through spring practice as a football program, 
you kind of got to have your quarterback out there, do you not? You have to. You have to have that guy in every class. I think if you're not in the business of signing a quarterback every year, you're not doing it right. Yeah, and I mean, if you're obviously if you're playing two sports and uh, spring practice is going on with football, you're you're going to miss a significant amount of yes, spring practice you are, time. But, but you, that should never keep you from signing your guy. If that's your guy, you sign your guy, and you'll figure it out. Because eventually, and I don't know if this will necessarily be the cl- case with John Reese Plumley. It wasn't with AJ Brown. I don't know what he's going to be in three years when he's draft eligible as a junior in the NFL. But if he's not, there is a chance he's going to have to make a decision at some point, but he doesn't have to do that in his first two years. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. And I, and I tell you what, I mean, you want to talk about a quarterback that's tailor-made for Rich Rodriguez's offense. I mean, the thought entered my mind as soon as Ole Miss hired Rich Rodriguez. Man, what about John Reese Plumley plugging into his offense? Plumley saw the same thing when Ole Miss brought Rodriguez in to be the architect of this offense moving forward, how he uses the quarterback. If you watch film on John Reese Plumley and you watch film on some of Rich Rodriguez's most successful offenses in the past, Ben, I mean, he's cookie quarter, cookie cutter to be that quarterback in Rich Rod's offense. And all of a sudden, if you're Ole Miss, you look around, whereas, you know, a couple of months ago, you were like, man, there's no quarterback depth on this roster. All of a sudden, you're going into a season with with two of the most coveted dual threat quarterbacks in the 2019 class on your team uh, in a backup role behind Matt Corral. And you kind of feel quarterback rich, if you will, if you're Ole Miss, because they took three in this class. Now, I think Kincaid Dent is probably going to uh, to be more of a, a developmental guy when he gets here. He's more of a drop-back passer. He can run the football, uh, but um, when you're looking at Rich Rod's offense, you, you you like the way Grant Tisdale plugs into it. You, you love the way Plumlee plugs into it. I think it's intriguing to see how Matt Corral plugs into it. Um, and we know Matt can run the football as well and Rodriguez wants a quarterback that that he can can call on to run the football gives you an extra ball carrier in that backfield creates a whole nother dimension to your offense so all of a sudden Ole Miss looking looking quarterback rich Ben I mean for the first time in a long time yeah it's been quite some time since they've had this kind of quote depth at quarterback and I put it in quotes only because these are young guys you don't know quite what they are yet but to have at least on paper, talented players in which to potentially turn to if things go sour. Because Ole Miss, for three straight years, has not finished a season with the same starting quarterback in which it started the year. So you need some quarterback depth, and I think Ole Miss has certainly got it on paper as far as yeah. the talent it's adding. That's good. I, I'll say this, too, on the depth front. If if Jerion Ely signs with Ole Miss on Wednesday and if he decides to play college football – there's depth in that running back room all of a sudden, too, and not just depth, but good quality depth. Could you imagine Scotty Phillips, Jerion Ely, Isaiah Woolard, perhaps a healthy Devon Pinamon, all in the same running backs room? Uh, that That's kind of got to get you excited. And then you got Snoop Connor, who is going to be a true freshman this fall. He's already on campus. Uh, so uh, the Rebels are doing some good things on the offensive side of the football in terms of building depth and building for the future. As far as defense, which we'll get into in a second, it's a totally different story, but we'll get to that in a second as we do a recruit check. But before, before we do that, I know everyone is excited about John Reese Plumley, but it shouldn't be forgotten, getting Derek Diamond in baseball is a huge hit for Ole Miss baseball. I think they're a top 10 class right now. Um, I read a bunch of different scouting services when I was preparing for this, but it's, it's, I think they're a top 10 class is Ole Miss baseball right now. Derek Diamond is a huge get. Uh, and Ole Miss 
should send a thank you note to Stanford admissions. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> really should, because no he was going to Stanford. He couldn't get in because of the crazy admission standards for Stanford. I know LSU was in there. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Virginia was in there. I want to say TCU as well, but this is a big get. And if you're wondering what kind of player Derek Diamond is, he's probably a pitcher. I think he's a mid-90s fastball. He's a good runner, yeah. but the profile is not with the bat. It's with the pitching arm. And I think uh, for Ole Miss baseball, getting him in such a coveted prospect doesn't need to be lost in the excitement of football. I know football drives everything, but Ole Miss baseball picked up a hell of a player on Monday. Yeah, and, and he's automatically on the all-time Ole Miss baseball name team. Oh, yeah. Derek yeah. Diamond. I mean, it'd be like having a quarterback whose name was Billy Gridiron or something like that. Uh, but, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it was a big, big Monday night for Ole Miss football, and in particularly Ole Miss baseball. Yeah. Uh, they had a huge night, too. They Columbus, had two guys they signed or yeah. picked up, didn't sign, yeah. but committed. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, look. Tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's all about football. Wednesday is National Signing Day for football. But uh, don't forget the impact that Jerry Ely could potentially have on the Ole Miss baseball program if, in fact, he does sign with Ole Miss on Wednesday. No doubt. And I will say, Derek Diamond is a great baseball name. The greatest baseball name of all time is Tug McGraw. That has to be the greatest. Oh, Maybe man. Goose Tug Gossage. I don't know, man. Tug McGraw, man, that, that pulls on my heartstrings yeah. because in 1980, I was nine years old, and that's when the Phillies were were in their heyday of the of the 1980s. And Tug McGraw, of course, was their closer on that team. Uh, Steve Carlton was their was their number one starter. But oh my gosh, what a great Phillies team in 1980! Ended up beating Kansas City in the World Series in 1980. But around the horn, Pete Rose at first base. Second base was Manny Trio. Who was the shortstop on that Phillies team? That I, I was born in 1986. So oh, man. You don't know on. what you missed, Ben. Yeah, I know. Base, baseball in the 80s was – the 90s was when the Braves won their World Series, so I can't really complain too much. I don't know. David Justice is a great name. Chipper Jones is a great name. Tug McGraw is my favorite baseball name of all time. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. School started back, and everybody has to deal with it in their own way. Well, might I suggest the best Tex-Mex in town for some comfort food? Whether you're a parent or student, if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food and a cantina at both locations, and with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come on over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. 
Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. We've gone this far into it without doing the recruit check. Let's do that now. Check that shit out. Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! Tomorrow is National Signing Day. The second National Signing Day, the early signing day, was in December, but now it's the traditional signing day in February. John Reese Plumley is a good start. John uh, Jerrion Ely would be a great second edition or re-edition. He was committed to Ole Miss for quite some time. Where's the momentum with Jerrion Ely right now? Uh, you know, I think Ole Miss is in the best spot right now for the first time uh, in a long time. And I, I talked to uh, some sources in our network out at Clemson this morning, and uh, the Clemson coaching staff is conceding to them that they're trailing for Jerrion Ely behind Ole Miss right now, which matches up all the intel inside the state of Mississippi. Every recruiting analyst except for one inside the state of Mississippi in the 247 Sports Network has crystal ball Jerrion Ely to Ole Miss within the last uh, 18 hours or so. So the intel in South Carolina is matching the intel in Mississippi. I think it'll take a little while for some of the national guys uh, to probably jump on that crystal ball train of Jerry Ely to Ole Miss today. But I expect that to happen. But again, the caveat to it all, Ben, it's recruiting. Things can change with a phone. And uh, but but where we set right now certainly looks like Jerry on is going to be an Ole Miss Rebel on Wednesday but but you know I got to issue the caution we just don't know until we do know that much we do know and that's uh that's the bottom line but uh the big thing you know there are several indicators right now number one the first thing happened over the weekend and that Clemson took a second running back in their 2019 class when this whole time they've been saying Jerry on Ely was the only other running back they were recruiting so they take a commitment from a kid out of the state of Florida so that was the first thing that 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 maybe kind of gave you pause as to how this thing was popping and then of course last night which was broken by Yancey on the old spirit uh, Adam Norsworthy Jerion Ely's very close friend and teammate at Jackson Prep, who comes from a family who has always been uh, supportive of Mississippi State, announces that he is going to accept a preferred walk-on to play at Ole Miss. That's the second big indicator right there. So the vibe right now as we record this podcast on you know, a, a Tuesday morning signing day eve, if you will, is that Ole Miss is going to get Jerrion Ely. The confidence level is very, very high um, inside the Manning Center right now. I think rightfully so. Uh, but again, issue that warning. Anything can happen between now and 11.15 tomorrow when he's going to announce live on ESPN2. That's was, that was going to be my next question. When will we know for sure? And you say it, 11.15 you know how tv works 11 15 it'll be 11 45 yeah and they're saying espn too but i noted in my notes earlier this week look espn is notorious for deciding at the last second they're not going to put it on two they're going to put it on main espn or move it over to espn u or espn news but as of right now it is set for espn two at roughly 11 15 a.m central time wednesday morning is it all for naught, though? Because Jerrion Ely, we've been talking about it on this podcast for so long. He's going to go play baseball, and yet lately 
it seems like there's a lot of momentum for him to, at least to play one year of football. This and the playing one year of football to me makes no sense whatsoever. And and me either, I, me either. But and, yeah, and neither here I, nor there for me. I've got some questions about that as well because uh, here, here's here's my question on that, and I don't know the exact answer to it. I need to effort to find out, and you may know. But once you enroll in school, are you not there for three for baseball, just like you are for football? Because he's going to play both sports at Ole Miss. That's my understanding. Yeah. So how how could he play one year of football and then go play baseball? I don't know. I I, I readily admit I'm not well versed in all of the minor minutia details as as it pertains to what a player has to do. If he signs a deal like AJ Brown, he can do both. That that way he can do both. But when you're a junior, you're going to have to make a decision if you're a first round pick. That means you have to go play baseball though in the spring. I don't know. I, I'm not a big believer in two-way playing in, in college. It's just really hard to do because of the way that your your schedule is laid out and the demands on your time. So well, I still well, would say that if push comes to shove, if he's a first, second-round pick, if it's the Sinquez Golson situation where he gets drafted, they sign him over slot and give less money to the first-round pick, whoever the team is, it's going to be really hard for him to say no. I would venture to say we're still in the same place with Jerry Ely today as we were yesterday. It's just interesting that now you're hearing a lot of momentum about playing football. Maybe he just wants to play football. I'm all for the player just doing what you want to do, whatever works for you. And if he wants to play football, more power to him. It just seems like lately you're getting more minim- mo- more momentum towards that. Is well, that fair? Is that, it, do you feel there's more momentum? Yeah, it's very fair, and I think some of that stretches back to the Under Armour All-American football game. And and this story is is kind of anecdotal here, but uh, I, I think it's worth telling in that, uh, you know, Jerry Ealy plays football at, at Jackson Prep in the Mississippi Association Independent School League. Um, and I have been told that there were a lot of baseball people that advised him not to go play in the Under Armour All-American football game. Uh, but he did anyway, and, and he goes down there, and obviously he's the MVP of the Under Armour All-American football game, and it's really the first time he had ever competed. He had always competed baseball on a high level against some of the best talent in the country. That can't be said for football because on Friday nights, again, he's playing in the MAIS, and that's no slight to the Mississippi Association Independent School League that produces – so some very fine football players, but it's not the Mississippi Public School League in terms of talent, speed, quickness, and all that good stuff. Uh, but it, I've been told it kind of opened his eyes when he went to the Under Armour football game, playing against some of the best talent in America, and he still dominated like he did on a Friday night, you know, down at Jackson Prep, and and perhaps that has entered his mindset a little bit in regards to whether or not he wants to continue to play college foot or, or start playing college football, if you will. So that you know, that's one thing to consider right there. The other thing is, look, it's National Signing Day. Of course, there's going to be a lot more heat and momentum around Jerry Ely playing football, just like come this June, as you rightfully point out, there's going to be a lot of heat and momentum around him deciding to sign that professional contract and forego college. So, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of both at play right there. You're right. We're not going to know until June. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, if you get his name on the dotted line on Wednesday, if you're Ole Miss, man, you're talking about some great excitement. You're talking about some absolute stunning potential in that backfield. If you can one-two punch 
your competition with with Scotty Phillips, who's a proven commodity inside the Southeastern Conference, and and is and is a little bit of a power back and a, and, and a little bit of a, a a slasher, if you will, and combo that with Jerrion Ely, who is just another dimension when you want to talk about speed and getting to the edge. And things like that. And then you got a guy like Isaiah Woolard that you can call on to give you some quality backup reps. And, uh, you know, we're all hopeful Devon Penniman comes back as that big 240-pound bulldozer out of the backfield. Man, things are looking good. I'm not convinced Jerry on Ely doesn't push to start pretty quickly when, if he figures everything out. Like, if he, comes uh, uh-huh. into, if he comes in in preseason practices, picks up on the offense, everyone's on an even playing field. Now, the guys that are going to be participating in spring practices are going to have a jump on the guys in the fall, but it's only 15 practices. If Jerry Ely comes in and picks up on things pretty quickly, I love Scotty Phillips. I think he's vastly underrated, but I'm not convinced Jerry Ely isn't, as a football player, if he actually gets on campus, which I very much doubt, isn't a transcendent talent as a running back. There's a reason he has five stars next to his name. He's an instant impact guy. There's no doubt about it. I think Scotty Phillips still has his own box of tools and, and skills that, that will be very much utilized, even if Ely is in a helmet and shoulder pads at Ole Miss this fall. But, but he's a day one guy. Jerry Ely is a day one guy. He's going to be part of that offense. They're going to, there will be plays specifically for Jerry Ely's skill set in this Ole Miss offense from day one. If he in fact does sign with Ole Miss and arrives on the Oxford campus, and what I would figure probably is going to be uh, July. I mean, I, I you know I, I don't think he gets here for first term summer because he's going to be waiting for that Major League Baseball draft. So Ely's probably not going to get to Oxford until July. If you haven't already, and I've seen some that have had trouble, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're not available on Rebel Sports Radio anymore, but we are available on SoundCloud. So if you'd like to find us on iTunes or SoundCloud, simply search Talk of Champions in either of those two avenues, and you'll find us right there. Subscribe, rate, review in iTunes because we desperately need it, and we like it, and it's fun, and it helps us. Also on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. We've talked offense. Two remaining big-time prospects, the other one being Jonathan Mingo. Where is it right now with him before we switch to defense? Well, that's a good question. You know, you want to say you feel comfortable that Mingo is going to stick with his commitment to Ole Miss and sign with the Rebels on Wednesday. But listen, I mean, I mean, there's no doubt he's contemplating things. And not just one thing, two things. He's contemplating Georgia of which he grew up a fan of, of which he just came back from a weekend official visit. He's also contemplating Mississippi State, and Mississippi State is doing everything they can to upset the apple cart and get Jonathan Mingo to sign with them on Wednesday. Where do I stand on it? I just think his relationship with Jacob Peeler, which is long and and, and really deep, I think uh, I think that's going to win out in the end. I think Jonathan Mingo is going to, uh, going to be an Ole Miss Rebel. Uh, my confidence level on that is is, is way above 50 50 uh but it would be unwise to ignore the overtures coming from georgia and mississippi state on him uh, another important commitment now I, i'm really concerned about georgia because georgia i think for a little while with mingo was just kind of kind of playing him along waiting to see what george pickens was going to do and it looks like pickens is going to sign with auburn so he's not an option for georgia so they do have a spot for him and a need for him in their class uh and then again mississippi state i mean some of it is just about you know stealing thunder away from old miss but but they could desperately use mingo too down to those three schools he has said there will be no decommitting or anything uh, 
send a smoke signal by decommitting from Ole Miss before he signs on Wednesday. He's just going to sign where he's going to go to school, Ben. So he'll step to, step up to that table as uh, Ole Miss commit. Now, whether or not he gets up from it, that's what we have to see on Wednesday. I think he will. Defensively, it's not the same fun script as it is offensively. The key Henry was so important, but it feels like he's headed to Arkansas. Yeah, it does. And I just posted a note up under the Rebel Rise uh, this morning on the Spirit Recruiting Board regarding that. And, and maybe this gives you a little bit of insight about how Ole Miss perhaps feels about Lakia Henry. But uh, I was told by sources this morning to not be surprised if Ole Miss were to send a letter of intent to Starkville, Mississippi in the morning for Zach Edwards. Um, he's a kid that uh, they've been kind of hot and cold on, but uh, it appears that um, they're making preparations uh, for Lakia Henry to sign with Arkansas on Wednesday. Zach Edwards may be the answer to that. I'm told that uh, there was a call made to the Starkville coaching staff on Monday to gauge Edwards' interest in you know, receiving a, a letter of intent from Ole Miss on Wednesday and that uh, it was a positive response. So uh, he hasn't been sent one yet as far as I know, but don't be surprised if uh, if that happens on Wednesday. I think right now that's a possibility. What happened with Lakia Henry? Did you just go to Arkansas and secure the bag? What happened? You know, that's a uh, – that that's I, – I, I, I wouldn't know – how to speak on that but but let me say this much in that uh, I was in really real good communication with Lakia Henry all last week as a matter of fact I talked to him on the way to the airport he was getting on the plane to go to Texas on his official visit which was set for a Thursday through Saturday the one question I did not ask him that in hindsight I should have I should have asked him why are you visiting Texas Thursday through Saturday because he never mentioned to me at all that uh, there was a possibility of him taking an unofficial visit to Arkansas on Sunday. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, Thursday through Saturday, leave Sunday open. So apparently he makes a, a surprise unofficial visit to Fayetteville on Sunday. And uh, the dead period starts started Sunday night at midnight. Uh, so that was it in terms of visits. And uh, that's pretty much got every everyone believing Lakia Henry is going to be an Arkansas Razorback on Wednesday, which um, I, I tend to believe as well. As a matter of fact, I need to go in and flip my crystal ball. I think I'm the only person in America left uh, forecasting him to Ole Miss right now. Um, tough right there. Now, they're still battling for him. You know, We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm told that uh, they're still in conversations with, with, with Henry as well as his mom. Um, and, you know, I can tell you, I mean, Henry even told me this. His mom wants him at Ole Miss. But every time he told me that, he would also say that might not be the determining factor. And at this point, I think it's safe to say it wasn't the determining factor. Now, anything can happen in the next 24 hours, but right now it looks like he's headed to Arkansas. It gets exhausting hearing players or I don't want to say recruiting analysts because you know I don't ever blame the messenger I was one of the messengers at one time but it gets so tiresome to hear his mom wants him at Ole Miss his mom wanted him at Ole Miss and it never ended up happening yeah. it's like well why didn't Ole Miss get the uncle or the dad <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah sometimes they, you pick the wrong relative yeah. right yeah I, I, I get what you're saying uh but um 
I think in Hendrick's case, that that is the truth. But again, he always backed that up by saying, I don't know if that will be the determining factor. He was also very honest throughout the process that he had a great relationship with Arkansas defense coordinator John Chavis, who has put 70 plus guys in the NFL throughout his coaching career. And when you're a JUCO kid and you're you're about to go play college football at a four year university, that's generally what's paramount in your mind. You want to play one and be done if you can two at the most, but you want to make sure you can get to the National Football League. Chavis has a track record of doing that. Defensively, Ole Miss recruiting, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. Uh, they, they didn't land the talent they needed to to turn this thing around quickly. I feel bad for Mike McIntyre. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator, and yet he's going to be dealing with at his disposal a significant loss of talent and really, quite frankly, not enough talent to be good enough in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there's there are a couple of different ways of looking at that. They did help themselves some in this early December signing period. Sam Williams is a guy that uh, is going to have to make an instant impact. He's the four-star defensive end slash linebacker out of Northeast Mississippi Community College. Yes, one. Yeah. A couple of guys we don't talk about enough, I think. Jonathan Haynes and Jamar Richardson, uh, both out of Jones County. Haynes is going to play safety. Jamar Richardson's going to play cornerback. I think both of those guys are instant impact players as well. So you, you've got a, a little bit of cavalry coming in the secondary, and then Sam Williams is going to have to be everything you hope he he can be. He led uh, the nation, uh, at least in the JUCO ranks, in quarterback sacks this past year. He is an explosive player. But we've all seen enough JUCO football transfers to know that the speed of the game is still a problem for JUCO guys making that adjustment when they first step into the SEC. So how soon those guys are able to make that impact um, you know, could, could very well go a long way in, in determining how the Rebel season plays out. Those three guys right there, though, uh, if they all hit, uh, your defense is better overnight. And that's, that's what really stings you about Lakia Henry – is that man? He he's a starter. Yeah, he's a starter. Flat out, he's a starter. And um, if you know, it looks like you're going to miss on him. He could have been a big time help right there too. Um, but you know, I, I and I'll just pull this out of the air here and just throw this. And I think it applies across the board. Ran into Luke Knox the other night uptown, and and you know, Luke's not projected to be an impact player this fall. But from a physical standpoint, what that kid looked like this time last year versus what he looks like this time this year, night and day. I almost thought it was Dawson. Uh, just looking at him, he uh, he's up to 237 pounds, Ben, and he's cut. He looks like an SEC linebacker all of a sudden instead of that skinny, raw-boned kid that that kind of was the last guy into the class a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, you keep getting the further development of the younger talent. Hopefully some of these guys hit. Hopefully that defense is better this fall. Try to fill up, fill out a starting lineup on defense right now. Oh that's my tough. goodness, that, that's that that's tough. Partic- and, and one reason why is Mike McIntyre's in town now, and he's got to evaluate the talent he's got on his ro- on his roster and figure out the best place to put those guys. Uh, you know, because he's, the Rebels are going to be going basically from a four three to a three four, and uh, you know there's going to be some shifting and and things like that going around. Uh, you know, I think you're good at the defensive tackle spots with Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney. Uh, you know, I'm excited about Momo Sanago and how he has come along. I mean, the kid's a tackling machine. You plug Sam Williams into that 
defensive line, whether uh, you know he's got his hand in his dirt uh, or, or or he's standing up out there on the edge. I think that's big. I mentioned the two DBs from Jones Junior College. I think they're going to help. Uh, you know, I think it's critical how Jalen Jones comes back off the knee injury. Uh, we won't see him this spring. He won't be out there, but should be ready to go by fall camp. And you know, does he have a successful comeback, or or is his comeback more in the line of Ken Webster? And Ken never was the same player again after his knee surgery. So you know, you hope Jalen Jones comes back strong. And then you know, guys like uh, you know Willie Hibbler and and and. You know, I mentioned Luke Knox, guys like that continue to grow up and uh, and and get to a point where they can make an impact. You also have a guy like Kadir Shepard. Shepard could be poised for a big time year this year. Ugh. Ugh. The question is, okay, if Josiah Coatney is your plug, you know, your nose guard, gap to gap, control the center guy. Who are your defensive ends? Is Benito Jones now a defensive end? That's the problem Ole Miss has. You have two defensive tackles, either of which could maybe be a nose tackle, but neither of which fits nicely as a defensive end. So, Kadir Shepard's the other one. Who's Ryder Anderson isn't that guy. Ryder Anderson's probably an outside linebacker at this point. So, who are you playing? Yeah, probably uh, you're probably seeing some Sam Williams playing there as a, as a defensive end as well as a stand-up backer. Jacquez Jones needs to be good. We're talking about Luke Knox. It's just not not good. It's just not good. Not good. Well, uh, there's uh, there's room to grow. There's no doubt about that. And, <laughs> That's but nice. Look, I'm, I'm going to tell you something though. I, I think I think Wesley McGriff was so caught up in hiding deficiencies on defense. And look, you can hide one deficiency or two deficiencies, but the Ole Miss defense was coming out there with six, seven deficient spots every single snap. And I think Wesley was so tied up in trying to hide that, uh, that, that he kind of overcoached that defense. And, and, and case in point, I mean, we have Kadir Shepard that, that comes in the interview room after a practice last fall. And we're talking to Kadir and, he essentially kind of goes goes off the rails in there. Sometimes I'm out there, and sometimes I get the call, and sometimes I don't. You know, I'm, I'm just – I mean, they're, they're sending in this call, sending in that call, and I'm just over there like, well, you know, what's going on? And I, so I think there was some of that that's going – that that's not going to any longer be the case. That's not a slight against Wesley. He was doing whatever he had to do. But, uh, but I think, man, you know, during the pre-snap and everything, just maybe a little bit of overcoaching going on out there, uh, too much thinking, not enough playing. I think Mike McIntyre is going to be able to eliminate that and make it a much more seamless process, which again is going to make that defense better. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a talent deficiency on that side of the football, but this defense it has to get better, Ben. It just has to get better. We have more recruiting stuff to talk about, but we're 30 minutes into this podcast, and it's time to go to Thomas Dillard, Ole Miss left fielder catcher, slugger. He joins us on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. Before we get to him, remember to subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're not available on Rebel Sports Radio anymore, so you need to go to SoundCloud or iTunes or just the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and for the 247 Sports, I put the podcast up in content form every Tuesday and Thursday on the website. But if you only go to SoundCloud and only go to iTunes – Want to get it on your phone? I get it. I'm the same way. 
Simply search Talk of Champions in either SoundCloud or iTunes and you'll find it. Going now to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Thomas Dillard, almost left fielder, catcher, slugger. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, cheneyspharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Ole Miss baseball is 10 days away from first pitch of the 2019 season. What's going on, man? How you doing? Nothing much. I uh, just got out of class, hanging out, watching a little Netflix. Wait a second. You're not one of those nerds that like to have classes early in the morning just so you can get them over with, right? Yeah, I mean, I get everything uh, with early in the morning, then I have the rest of the day to go hit or do whatever I need to do. So I like getting it done early. What's your Netflix show of choice right now? Um, right now I'm watching Dexter. Um, pretty interesting series. Dexter's solid choice. Solid choice. You need to do The Wire, Breaking Bad, Friday Night Lights. Have you seen any of those? Where are you on your binging right now? I was more of a Hawaii Five-0 kind of guy. Um, so watch some of that. And then I'm not really too big of a Netflix guy, but recently me and my roommate Greer Holston have been watching this. So. Are you a binge watcher, though? That's a big thing. I'm one of those people. I like to sit down and when I start a show, I'm going to run all the way through it pretty quick. It depends on how much time that we have because uh, some of these episodes are kind of long. So we'll probably watch like one at a time. But uh, last night, I think we watched four in a row, but uh, not too much binge watching going on. Well, most Ole Miss fans who tuned into Talk of Champions today didn't tune in to listen to me ask you about your Netflix habits. So getting back on topic to Ole Miss baseball, you are 10 days away from first pitch against Wright State February 15th, 4 p.m. Central Time. But not only that, you are weeks into preseason practices. How's it going out there right now? Going good. You know, I think uh, season's 10 days away now, so we're getting uh, getting everything fine-tuned right now. You know, we've got one more weekend of inner squads. Um, so I get to face the pitchers one more time. They get one more live outing before, uh, you know, it's it's game time on February 15th. So, uh Got a few more practices we got to get in, and we'll be ready for right state for sure. When I look at your stats and the way you jumped from last year, from your freshman year, which was a struggle and up and down, or whatever you want to call it, it's obvious you changed something. Was it an approach as far as maybe you, you wanted to focus on launch angle, doing damage when you made contact, uh, getting the ball in the air? What was your focus? What really worked for you that allowed you to have such a monster year last year? Uh, you know, I think it was just realizing my own strength, uh, not having to have such a big leg kick or uh, try to do the, do or produce the power myself. Uh, I just kind of simplified everything and just tried to get a pitch to hit and put a barrel on it. And I realized the more I can put the barrel on the ball, the more damage I'll be doing. Uh, so, you know, I cut out my leg kick and just tried to hunt fastballs early on in the count. Old traditional baseball thinking – told you to put the ball in play, that putting the ball in play was good, striking out is bad. But now with modern thinking, analytical thinking, strikeouts don't really matter. An out is an out is an out. For you, being a strikeout person, do you pay much attention to the new age thinking, the traditional thinking? Do you care about putting the ball in play? Or is it more important to make the right kind of contact? Um, you know, I'm not too big of an analytics guy. Uh, I look at some of the advanced stats, but uh, – 
you know, I'm just kind of going up there trying to do damage. And, you know, I'm, I am kind of a guy that will strike out a little bit more just based off of how much I do try to do damage. But I know that it does pay off. Uh, more extra base hits and walks I get definitely cancels out the strikeouts. Yeah, because you know you're you're a pretty good candidate for like the new age leadoff hitter or number two hole hitter, right? I mean, you walk, you right. hit for power. They want to give you as many at bats as possible, and you steal bags. People don't realize how many bags you actually steal. You led the team last year. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach, me and Coach B had a few talks about that. Uh, we had kind of a joke deal going on that if I got to twenty last year, that he'd let me lead off one of the games. Uh, so. I uh, never got to 20 last year, but uh, it's definitely a, a, the way the new age baseball is working is cool uh, with, you know, getting the guys like Schwarber leads off. I've seen that. Uh, just getting getting things like that, you know, moving up the power hitters. Uh, I definitely think it's a cool new way of thinking. I look at it this way. If I could get a home run leading off a game from Thomas Dillard, I'll take that over, I don't know, a walk and a steal. Stealing doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, if you could have one of one of two things, if you could – hit a walk-off bomb, or be the guy on third base that scores the game-winning run? Which which is better? You've done both of them, so which is better? Um, I would rather hit the walk-off bomb. Uh, just It's more exciting. Uh, you know, I like scoring runs, but you know, getting getting a pitch to hit over the fence in a situation like that, there's really not any, any feelings like that. So yeah. I'd rather hit the bomb. What's it like to hit a ball 440 feet? I would pimp every home run, Thomas. I don't know how y'all don't do this. Like, I would pimp every home run because it's an incredible feat of strength. Right. It, uh, it's a beautiful thing when your swing comes together with your plan. Uh, you know, when you hit a ball like that, I know a lot of guys on our team can speak, speak for, for me when I say that, but uh, it's one of, the, one of the coolest things in all sports when, you know, a ball coming in at 95 miles an hour connects on your round bat and you hit it 450 feet you know there's really not much like that in the world and it's just it's one of those things uh when you hit it you know it's gone and it you really can't feel it on the bat which is one of the cool the coolest feelings there is was there ever a home run that you hit last year year before hell high school i don't know where you were so tempted to just pimp the hell out of it and watch it but you decided not to uh, typically I err on the side of pimping it. Um, cause I'd normally enjoy doing that. And I'm, I've gotten pretty decent. Uh, what kind of, or not right off the bat, but, uh, I have had to hold it back a few times just so the guy behind me didn't, didn't get, uh, pegged anything like that. So, see, I, I hate the unwritten rules of baseball. They're so barbaric and dumb. The pitcher fails, the hitter succeeds, has this incredible accomplishment of hitting a ball 440 feet, and because the pitcher is butthurt, he's going to endanger one of your teammates? That's so dumb. Are you one of those traditionalists as far as the unwritten rules of baseball, or do you think it's kind of bunk? Right. Uh, I think I think it depends on a certain situation and uh, um, the extent that it goes out to. Now, I've, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of the new age rules than the than the old age, but I still think some of those apply. I mean, I think pimping a home run and doing all that's perfectly fine, but there comes a point where it's kind of showing the pitcher up. Um, so you, you, there's kind of a fine line there. Um, so I never want to do too much to where it's just showy. Um, but I'm, I'm perfectly fine if you style a home run for sure. Yeah, you got the swing too that like goes perfectly into a pimp job. 
Yeah, I kind of have that uh, high finish right there that helps helps a little bit that I can watch it a little bit extra. So uh, props to my dad for helping me work on that over the years. 48 wins, tied a single-season record last year. Right now, there's not a lot of drama in preseason practices. I've been out there every time we've been allowed. And, look, y'all got it pretty settled in the field. Y'all know who the candidates are, the rotation, while y'all were replacing three weekend starters. You know who those guys probably are going to be. It looks like Will Etheridge, probably Houston Roth, Gunnar Hogland. There are a number of guys that could pitch. As a team, do y'all have a lot of confidence right now? Do y'all, do y'all kind of feel that y'all are in a, as good a place going into a season as y'all have been, I guess, since you've been here? It feels like y'all just know who you are. Right, yeah, we definitely uh, we definitely have an identity right now. And it's also a cool thing because we have a lot of young guys that uh, have to create their own identity. But, um, you know, we do have a lot of returners that have kind of been through the ropes and know, know how it works. Uh, you know, we do kind of have most most things settled right now. But there's always that competition aspect of it. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things um, is just getting to lead the younger guys. Um, you know, through through these few weeks, you know, it seems like they just drag on so long because everybody's waiting for February 15th. But, uh, you know, these weeks are just as important as the weeks in the fall that we spent slaving out there on the field, just trying to get ready for the season. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody goes out there, gets their work in, and, you know, there's a sort of respect um, for each other, even if there is a guy that you know is going to be playing over you because we have so many guys that can play so many different positions that you never know who's going to go down, who's going to get plugged in where. Uh, so I think everybody kind of knows they're going to get their shot at some point because we do have a lot of talent on the team. Has anybody surprised you with how well they've played so far in the spring? Uh, you know, I think it's not really a surprise, but it's been really, really cool to see how Chase has swung it this spring. Uh, you know, Chase really was a was a big surprise last year. You know, we knew he could hit the ball really far, but really added a lot of a big aspect to his game by being able to lay off uh, off three pitches in the dirt and ended up hitting over 300. So that was huge. And he's continued that even more this year. Uh, Doug McKenzie uh, has been kind of a, you know, he was not necessarily an unknown guy, but just kind of a guy that not, uh, not a lot of us knew much about when he came into college. Um, but, you know, he's got some electric stuff on the mound from the left side. Um, so, you know, those two guys have really impressed me this spring a lot. You've always been a switch hitter, but the splits aren't even. Is there anything in your stances left and right that you identified in which to improve so that your numbers can be more even from both sides? Uh, you know, it's just kind of finding what's comfortable for me uh, at, the, at the time. I'm kind of a guy that my stance and my swing and the way I hold my hands kind of shifts from time to time depending on how I'm swinging it. And I just got to find what's comfortable for me and what uh, – you know, what kind of works. Um, but I've always felt that my swings are fairly similar. There's just been a few few t- uh, tweaks in between that, uh, you know, may have made a few differences. Uh, you know, I stand a little bit different, a little bit more narrow right-handed and left-handed. But, you know, it's whatever's working for me best at that moment. But uh, I try to keep them pretty similar. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. 
Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. As far as overall approach as a hitter, is there one particular area in which you have to be good for success? Like your load, your trigger, your hands, whatever it might be. What's the product of your success? For When Thomas Dillard is right, when he's good, what's working? Uh, you know, it is being on time. Uh, for me, it's it's kind of keeping my body and my momentum going towards the pitcher and through the, through the center field wall. Uh, never want to be, never want to be too early spinning off the ball. Cause once I do that, then I start getting susceptible to off speed pitches. Uh, so, you know, it's really just for me, keeping my momentum and my sights set through the batter's eye. Um, the more that I can let the ball travel, I feel like the more I can do damage. So I just gotta, gotta kind of, uh, calm myself down and slow myself down to know to let the ball travel because, you know, early on in the season, you kind of want to, uh, get out to a good start. So you kind of jumping at the ball a little bit. So you may get a little bit uh, open, let your hips fly open, but I just got to you know, keep my hip to the pitcher. So it's basically just staying closed is one of my biggest keys. You mentioned when we talked to you on Monday, Justin Bench is one of the young guys who's impressed you. Any other ones out there? I know Carl Gendel isn't a newcomer or a young guy necessarily, but for Ole Miss fans, he'll be new and he'll play. Carl, another guy, who are the ones that have really impressed you so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said Carl, and Carl's been a great, great guy for us this fall and this spring so far. You know, not not sure what his role's going to be, but you know, I I, know, I have full confidence when he steps in that he can steal a base for us. He can get out there and get the hit. Uh, so Carl's done that. Uh, like I said yesterday with Justin Bench, uh, he's just come in and you know he kind of plays like a veteran right now, which is it's it's a little a little weird to see a freshman stepping in and have as much poise as he does. Uh, you know, he goes out there, he really he really likes to communicate, uh, doesn't really get phased by much, uh, may not be the fl- uh, flashiest player on the field, but, you know, he goes out there, puts a uh, solid swing on everything, really solid defensively. Uh, you know, Knox, Knox Lepazer really, really surprised me this fall, not necessarily surprised me, but just impressed me. Um, so upset we haven't got to see him this spring with his broken foot, um, but Knox swung it really well in the fall. And, you know, so many other guys, the young guys have just come in this year. And, you know, with a year where uh, it seems that we do have a lot of guys cemented in, into their spots, I think it maybe kind of takes off a little pressure for them to come in and perform right away. Um, you know, there's some, some veteran guys that are there, so they just come in here and they're, they're playing their game. And, you know, I think it's paid off for them and they know that they're going to get their shot. You've done a lot of catching in your career, mostly in high school, not much outside of just practice at Ole Miss. What can Ole Miss fans expect from defensive catcher Thomas Dillard? Right. Uh, you know, I'm somebody that I think is going to bring some energy behind the plate. Uh, I like to keep it a little bit loose back there. Uh, you know, I'm gonna not going to necessarily be the flashiest guy out there. Uh, I'll do what needs to be done, you know, block up the balls, catch them. Uh, think I have a pretty solid arm back there. If I had to grade out something as my best tool behind the plate, it would most likely be my arm. Um, so, 
you know, it's just, it's going to be cool getting back there again. Uh, it's a position that I'm really passionate about. So, you know, we do have some really good catchers this year. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting back there for sure. Your longtime teammate, both at Oxford High and then on to Ole Miss, Greg Kessinger, rolled his ankle in practice. How's he doing? What have your conversations been like with him? You expect him to be ready for opening day? He's actually doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I think he's ahead of schedule for what they thought. Uh, he's He's been through these injuries before, and he knows the sooner that he can uh, stop using the crutches or the boot and all that kind of stuff and walk on his own weight, the sooner that he's going to be able to play. Uh, so as soon as it happened, he got the x-rays. It turned out negative. So uh, he started rehab right after that, had the crutches for one day, and then uh, he's been walking in the boot by himself. You know, I mean, even if he is limping, the more weight he can put on it, the swelling will go down, the better it'll feel. Uh, you know, I talk to him daily about it because we live six feet away from each other. But uh, he uh, he's walking on it right now. Um, I think in the next few days he expects to get his boot off. Uh, swelling's gone down a lot, so... Uh, he's, he's definitely grinding with the rehab right now, and I expect him to make a, a quick recovery. Last one. Do you like the dilly-dilly stuff? Do you get into it? Do you embrace yeah. it? Yeah, I actually, I actually really like it. You know, it's kind of cool uh, to have a last name that fits in like that, and I think it's something that uh, for the fans, it's, it's something cool that they can uh, have somebody to relate to that, but uh, it's definitely an interesting thing that I really like hearing in the stadium from the fans. I heard that after one of the postseason games, maybe I can't remember. It was some game you had a really big game. Maybe it was the SEC tournament. I don't know. But then you walk into like Ray or a bar or something, and then the whole bar is basically saying "dilly dilly" to you. Is you have you ever had experience like that in Oxford where you walk in and just boom, they're hitting you with it? Yeah, yeah. That was, so that was at uh, Lost Pizza on the Sunday after I hit the home run versus LSU. Um, it was so it was my family, Gray's family, and I think Etheridge's family. Uh, we we were at Lost Pizza, and I walked upstairs with Gray, and Gray kind of jokingly said "Dilly Dilly," and then people kind of noticed it, and then it just kind of kind of kept getting louder and louder, and kind of had a little cramp. But uh, so a little little bit of part to Gray right there, but it was really cool, you know. I mean, Oxford does really nothing like it for any sport, honestly, because it's just such a great college town, and it's something that uh, you know I think really helps us while we're playing and for recruits to come see that that. Everybody loves sports here. He's Thomas Dillard, almost left fielder, catcher, power hitter. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. I really enjoyed it. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662-638- 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics.
That was Ole Miss left fielder catcher Thomas Dillard. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Not much time left, David, to jump back into recruiting. It's the last time we're going to get to talk about football recruiting for quite some time. And so not a lot of room for basketball. They've lost five of their last six in a tough spot right now. Plenty to talk about when we return on Thursday after they play Texas A&M. Full coverage on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. Also, I've been working on a story, the oral history of the hire of Kermit Davis, but haven't had a great time to run it lately because Ole Miss has lost, what, five of six games. So whenever there's a perfect time, or if there's not, I think I'm just going to run the damn thing this week. So we'll see what happens. But jumping back into recruiting, to wrap this thing up, we talked about all the remaining targets, but we hadn't hit on every single one of them. So of those remaining guys, you're projecting for tomorrow, the signing day list for Ole Miss, what is it, five, seven guys, two guys? What what are you looking at, and who do you feel most confident about? And uh, where do you think the final places or spots in the uh, in the recruiting class end up going to all right let's just go down the list here john rice john reese Plumley is in came in monday night so check mark by him brandon mack who is the weak side defensive end out of montgomery alabama he's in the class he's going to sign with Ole miss period all right so all those right, two yeah, there's two those are two right there. Now, Jonathan Mingo, let's talk a little bit about him. We already have. I, I think he's going to stick with Ole Miss. So I'm going to say that's number three right there. Number four would be Jerrion Ely. And I'll have my confidence level thing back out again today where I'll put these guys one through eight. There's going to be some shuffling, obviously. Jerrion Ely, I think, is in the class. That's four. Okay. Right. What does that leave us with? We talked about Lakia Henry. We think he's going to Arkansas. Byron Young was never coming to Ole Miss. He's going to sign with Alabama. Amante Spivey is going to stick with his commitment and, and sign with Arkansas. So there are those guys. That leaves us from the guys that we've been talking about now the last two weeks with Ladarius Cox. He's a three-star defensive tackle out of Mobile, Alabama. It's a coin toss if you ask me right now. I, I mean, he's committed to Tennessee, strangely has not opened his recruitment back up. So I guess there remains a possibility he could just stick it out and sign with the volunteers on Wednesday. But the last couple of weeks has all been about Ole Miss and Auburn. I, I, I give Ole Miss a, a one in three shot. Let me let me take the coin toss comment back. I think it's one in three, thirty-three point three three percent chance. So he could go chance. to Ole Miss, Tennessee, or Auburn. Yeah, really, there, really hedging your bets there, buddy. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, I think he's the only one that there's a lot of uncertainty left out out there on right now. Um, and then, as I said earlier in this podcast, Zach Edwards, the three-star linebacker down at Starkville, that. Ole Miss has been hot on and then cold on, hot on, cold on. Um, again, the latest intel I got is the Rebels reached out to his camp on Monday and said, hey, if we were to send a, a national letter of intent down there on Wednesday, would that be something Zach's interested in? And the response, I understand that they got back, was very, very positive. Now, right now with Edwards, everybody thinks he's going to Louisville, and I think that's where he'll sign unless Ole Miss jumps into the show at the very last second. But that remains a possibility. That's really everybody we're talking about on Wednesday, Ben. That's, so no surprises that's or anything? No Hell, guys I, out there that could classify as, quote, a surprise? I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, again, you never know what the what the 11th hour is going to bring and how they might scramble and uh, and, and look for guys. We, we've had guys before that they've never recruited uh, ever 
until like the day before National Signing Day. Uh, defensive tackle Sincere David comes in comes to mind in, in that case. All of a sudden, Ole Miss is getting a commitment from Sincere David on National Signing Day, and we've never heard of the kid ever. So there's always that possibility hanging out there that they're scrambling right now, looking at other people's commit lists and going, can we flip this kid? He's not bad. And a kid wants to play in the SEC or Power Five so bad that he says, heck yeah, I'm signing even though I've never visited and I really don't know you, coach. (laughs) There's so so many guys like that. That one particular, CJ Miller was one. Braylon Edwards was another. Braylon Edwards, I'm sorry. Braylon uh, Braylon Sanders. Sanders, Yeah, yeah. was another. And look, sometimes it's backdoor recruiting and the recruit doesn't want anybody to know that this school that that this school is recruiting him and the school doesn't want anybody to know. So they kind of keep it quiet. But there are some times where the phones just picked up the day before signing day and it's like, hey, bro, I'm coach so-and-so from so-and-so. And and, uh, you think you might want to come play ball for us? Heck yeah. And then boom, I can tell you, I don't understand that process, man. How can you go through recruitment? A couple of years worth it, really two to three years worth it now. It starts so early. And the day before you are to have your decision made, you still don't know where you're going to go to school. And you're comfortable with with making such a a decision on the spur of the moment like that. That, That's wild. I don't understand that. Well, it's not the end all be all if you you don't sign on Wednesday. So there are going to be schools in which you could – would become options for you if you waited. Now, that is very rare. Most every kid is signed and done, not only in December, but then most certainly in February. But there are a few that fall through the cracks. So uh, I I can understand it then if a school of any type of notoriety, like an Ole Miss, calls you the day before signing day. You don't really want to drag this out any further and just wait to see what your options are. If you got this option and it's good, good enough for you, check your boxes, screw it. Every school is going to impress you on an official visit. Every school is going to give you what you want go to it i I understand it because that's the that's the one of the biggest benefits of television these days every school is on television you know a little bit about pretty much any major school that comes in and offers you now you don't know where you're going to live you don't know what the city's going to be like you don't know what the the relationships are like between the players and the coaches but that kind of stuff figures itself out how much do you really learn in the recruiting process unless you're one of the major highly recruited guys what it's like to play under matt luke I mean, how many really know that? You don't really get that out of three conversations with three players that are currently on the team or former players like DK and AJ who are going to play in the NFL. You don't really know. Yeah, it's it, I guess different strokes for different folks. I, yeah. I know when we were going through the recruiting process. I would first, never do it, no, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously we knew what Eli was going to do when he was in 10th grade. I mean, as soon as Ole Miss offer came in, we knew what, what he was going to do. So that was nice. Uh, Still took the visits and all that good stuff. But uh, I just can't fathom a family, a prospect, 24 hours before signing day and having two to three years to figure it all out, not knowing what he's going to do. Yeah, well, some don't really have a choice, though. Some don't. Some do. I I mean, I I don't know. I I would just be the kind of guy, if I were a recruit, you know, a year out, I'd want to know where I was going to be spending the next three, four, five years of my life. Just forgive me if I'm sitting there at home the day before National Signing Day and I have offers and have made visits to Memphis, South Alabama, Louisiana, Lafayette. If Ole Miss calls and say, here's here's an offer, I'm going to take Ole Miss. Or even if it's state or yeah. Kentucky, I, I'm going to take that offer because I don't totally, want to go totally to Memphis it. or South Alabama or ULL. 
totally get it. Do you want to be playing in front of 15,000 <laughs> on Tuesday night or in front of 80,000 on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I'll go on a, an unofficial visit two days later and see the school that I'm going to and learn all the things I want to learn. <laughs> but I can safely say without stepping foot on campus, I would rather spend my time at a major collegiate institution not going to Memphis or South Alabama or ULL. And yeah, I'm completely we, we, talking crap about those schools because I really don't have any loyalty to them. And I would assume that they're not as fun as going to Ole Miss. Yeah, you know what? We visited Louisiana Lafayette, and um, man, it was it was they were very nice. Enjoyed it all the way around. But I knew he wasn't going to ULL when we went to go see the cafeteria, and literally at the front door of the cafeteria is a pond with alligators in it. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I, okay, I can see my kid going to a frat party and stumbling back across campus and accidentally falling into the alligator pond, and uh, you know that being it. <laughs> so, see, like, got- I, I went to ULL when Ole Miss baseball played there in Super Regional to go to Omaha. And I had a delightful time there. I, I truly enjoyed my time. Ate some tremendous food. There's a certain yeah. – I can't remember what it was called, but had chickens and waffles. It was just an amazing place for food and environment. But that was fun for a two-day stop. If you asked me to live there, and no, man, I'm, I'm good. And it has nothing to do with you know the people are, that live there and enjoy it. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time, but it wouldn't really fit me as far as wanting to live there for any significant amount of time. It just doesn't work for me. Oh man! But I've never been a huge guy that's like loved Louisiana. Not, I mean, I've enjoyed all my times in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and lot, but I couldn't see myself setting up shop and and put, well, those, put my roots those in are, there. Those are the kind of things parents look at. I mean, I mean, we visited ULL, also visited Tulane, and you know, prominently, uh, you know, positioned in my mind was okay. That streetcar runs right here in front of the Tulane campus. So if my kid goes to school here, he's going to be getting on that streetcar and going down to Bourbon Street all the time. And that's not a good thing. So kind of crossed Tulane off my list. On our official visit to Memphis, and this has nothing to do with Memphis. I may have told you this story, but um, and, and look, they put us up in a wonderful hotel. I mean, great place, the Madison, uh, downtown Memphis. And uh, as I, I I'm walking back into the hotel. I have a prostitute follow me up to my room. And that kind of did it for me there. Had nothing to do with Memphis now. It's just somebody that followed me <laughs> off the street. See, I love Memphis. I'm a big I, Memphis I, I, apologist. Yeah, I, love I love Memphis, Memphis too. But, uh, you know, that was, that was a little much right there. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Geared at Spirit. Ben, he's David Johnson at Rebels247. Right for the Oba Spirit, omspirit.com. We'll talk again Thursday. Recap what happened on Wednesday. Thanks, man. All right. See you then.